All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball. The only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great, Andy. You know, you and I have been very busy these past couple weeks. It was a very eventful Halloween weekend, to say the least, for both of us. And so we've got a lot to talk about. A lot has gone down since we sat down with Maddie Cox of the Three Man Weave podcast. Shout outs to those guys once again. But we've got media day reactions. We've got close scrimmage results to talk about. We've got an exhibition result. And we're and we're ready to start talking about real games that matter. I'm so excited. You I'm I'm rambling a little bit, but as you can tell, I'm just I'm I'm happy to be here. The thing that's so great about the start of college basketball season is you just they force you to just dip the toe in. You get the close scrimmage results. You don't even get to watch it, but maybe you get some stats. You see some numbers in front of you. Then you get an exhibition, a little more coverage. It, it gets you primed. You are fired up. That's the most energy I've seen out of you in at least two weeks. A couple <clears> weeks <throat> at least. I mean, Halloween took it out of me, but then you know, now we're in game week and I'm back. That's right. Well, Sam's fired up because this is the final preseason pod. Bow, 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 bow. Uh, dang, we're getting so good at sound effects. We don't even need a board. Um, so we got no, a lot. That was just me and Andy doing that. Yeah, that was just us. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to break it all down for you, do some of our final predictions, break down all the storylines, give you the updates, give you everything you need. But first, as always, the Oregon State Fight Song. Here we go. I just thought about hearing it in person, which I haven't for several months now. Well, that's not true. I've been to two football games this year, but still. Still, it gets better every it's single better time. It's better in Gill, it is. It's better in Gill. It's better every time you hear it. All right, let's jump into things because we do have a fair amount to cover. But let's start off with Media Day. We talked about it very briefly um, in our Pac-12 preseason preview, but... Uh, what what stood out to you from Media Day, Sam? Any any major highlights? Frankly, and I, I will be brief with it, but I watched all of it, and so we do need to delve into it a bit more. I ju- I have a lot of just like quick bullet points. Um, all right, run through them. So, uh, in no particular order of importance, there is new jerseys this year, both home away and, and alternate. They're all pretty icy. I'm a fan. Go check them out. I'm not going to describe them to you. The Pac-12 has switched to Wilson basketballs now, which if you're a hooper at all, you're a fan of that news, I would say. That's that's great news. Wilson makes the superior basketball. To Nike, I uh, most would agree. Not everyone, but most. Uh, Wayne talked about how, you know, keeping every freshman from last year was key and how they've grown. He talked about the health of Christian Wright, Justin Roshelin, and Scholl, how they're coming in more or less Pretty healthy. Jordan Pope and Tyler Billado were the two players that joined Wayne. Every coach brought two of their guys. That's who he went with. Had a lot of positive things to say about Casey Ibekwe. Said it's been big having Shoal healthy because it gives the two of them another giant to compete with in practice every day. They asked Wayne about continuing the series with Oregon after this year. It is, of course, the longest-running college basketball rivalry in existence, and uh, they're both interested in doing so. Every sport kind of has their own issue to deal with there. I think men's basketball specifically, it should be pretty easy. And it's cool that Altman's into it too. I only have two quotes from Wayne, but I really, I dig him a lot. The first is we've got the right collective. And the second is we find solutions, which that sounds like Wayne cooking a little bit to me. And uh, let's see, Tyler Bilodeau is now number 34. 
And uh, I just, my final one is that I think that my personal interview with Jordan Pope was better than Pac-12 all-time leading scorer Don McClain. And frankly, he's the only one happy to conferences ending because he'll get to say that forever now. Yeah, Don McClain, how many times, you watched all the media um, ones. I only caught some of the, my favorite teams in Oregon State, of course. But um, how many times did Don McClain mention that he was the all-time leading scorer? Because I saw it three times. It was, a, I mean, something, I whatever my over-under would have been, he was under. But again, it is tough to bring it up when you're simply supposed to be asking coaches <laughs> and players about themselves. But yeah, so the fact that he managed to do it as many times as he did, very impressive. Always something to pay attention for when he's on the call. But all in all, it was a good media day. Yeah, a couple of things I took away. You hit on a couple of them. One, Casey Beckway, Wayne was really hyped on him. I can't – this might be me just adding numbers in here, but did he say that Casey Beckway had lost 30 pounds? I believe so. I mean, and we're That's famous for, for getting for numbers. For inflating and, stats. Right, um, but he yeah, has slimmed down. Has slimmed down, has gotten more shape, because last year I think that was a big part of, like, Casey's freshman adjustment was the conditioning it takes to play at a Pac-12 level for long stretches in games. and. You saw him be very effective in bursts, but kind of have trouble to sustain that. So if he's in more shape, that's huge this year. Yeah, you almost include him with that group of Roshlin, Wright, and Scholl as guys who are healthy to start. Even though he was healthy, he just wasn't ready to play in games yet. And he would have been – the guy he was two-thirds of the way into the year would have been huge to have against Portland State and some of those early teams they struggled with. Yeah, definitely. And then speaking of being in shape, I'm surprised you didn't mention this, but – the first thing Wayne Tinkle did when he walked on stage, um, when Tyler Bilodeau and Jordan Pope came on stage and he walked off, the last thing he did, I should say, I guess, is he flexed Tyler Bilodeau's biceps and said, look at this. Are you kidding me? Weight room. He does. Yeah, he is more in Wayne's mold than he was a year ago. And he has bulked up. He has gone the opposite way that a Beckway did. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's good, too, because, you know, Tyler Bilodeau, very skilled player, a lot of touch. Very tall, like a very big, like he really is a 6'9", 6'10". That's not an overinflated stat. So if he had some muscle and was able to play a little bit more back to the basket, not like guys push him off as much as is expected when you're an 18-year-old kid in Pac-12 getting major minutes. But that could be huge if he adds some muscle. You could really see him take another step offensively. I think. And he's a hockey player. He's not afraid to get physical. And, yeah, I think uh, he's he's going to be in for one of the biggest leads of anybody in the conference, obviously on the defense. Yeah, I think one thing you'll hear me and Sam say a lot this year is, Tyler is a dog. Tyler is a dog. That is the word for him. I'll go back to a brief moment before we move on. Last year against Arizona, at some point in the home game, they obviously struggled with him a lot in both. But in the home game, they did make a second half push. And early on in the second half, they were down about 20, and he was knocked to the floor. And I'll vividly remember both Ballo Tubelis and maybe like Courtney Rainey all standing over him and maybe slightly condescendingly offering to help him up. And he smacked one of their hands away and walked back to his team. Yeah, he's got it in him. He's going to be good. All right, anything else from the media day you want to cover? No, I think that was a good rundown of it. I, I'm happy. I think we covered all the good stuff. All right, well, then let's uh, well, let's do one more bit of news. Then I'll talk quickly about the Oregon State and Washington State lawsuit update. The Pac-2, obviously, in a lawsuit with the Trader 12. Stand proud. Um, with the Trader 10, sorry. Right now there's an injunction, a uh, restraining order against the Pac-12 to make any major decisions until it's sorted out. Um, essentially, what the lawsuit is about is Oregon State and Washington State are contending that since they are the remaining schools of the Pac-12, that they should get all of the economic benefit to that conference, while the other schools are maintaining that since the conference is 
essentially ending in their eyes. Uh, the award should be divvied up among them. Washington State, Oregon State uh, added new evidence to the lawsuit on October 25th. Uh, this is from an Oregonian uh, article. But in it, it essentially pointed out that when UCLA and USC decided to leave the conference a year early, they were immediately disbarred from being members of the Pac-12 Council. And that's in a lot of written memos that's clearly stated. So Oregon State and Washington State are saying, well, look, it's clearly precedent and on record that this is what we do when teams leave the conference. They're immediately um, taken back. So we'll see how that plays out in the eyes of a judge. It doesn't seem all that complicated to me. Obviously, everybody's got their own, you know, their own dog in this fight, their own special interests. But uh, yeah, I just worry about all the Beaver bias in the world, especially, it, 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 of course, it permeates into litigation. Oh, of course. Almost there more than ever, or more than anywhere else. Um, all right, let's move on to the Oregon State secret scrimmages. Oregon State is coming off an undefeated secret scrimmage season, 2-0, two not like blowout victories, but comfortable victories starting off with Idaho beating them 79-66 and then beating Southern Oregon 84-61. So that was more of a route. Um, Sam, what do you want to talk about? Well, the Idaho one, obviously a little more exciting. That's a Division One team. They're, and Idaho is a good basketball school. You know, they've got like a pipeline to strong JUCO, some of the best junior colleges in the West. Um, West of the Mississippi are in Idaho, so they get good players. Especially lately, and since they've switched conferences, they've been a top half of that league. Um, so that was encouraging. We obviously know the least about that. They won 79-66. Uh, O'Connell led the game in scoring. Dexter O'Connell went for about 22. Tyler Billado was in double figures. Jordan Pope was in double figures. Casey Abekwe had, I believe, 14. It was either 10 or 14. Again, we're famous for mistaking stats on this. It's one of those two. And there may have been one more guy in double figures. They uh, – said Ratai didn't play from everything we've been able to find out. That's just precautionary because these games don't matter. But um, so that's the details. We do know mostly good stuff. It's hard to say a lot without watching it. But. Hard to say a lot, but it's positive sign to see Dexter Cano go for a lot of points early on because he's going to be really key. I think if you're gonna, picking up the the missing minutes from GT, from Glenn Taylor, like so that production's got to come from somewhere. Cano to me is the most obvious candidate. We see, we saw him go for 20-plus several times last year. I mean, he's capable of getting very hot. It's just been a thing with consistency with him. It's very exciting to see, yeah, that he's coming into the season doing that against, you know, competition, playing against someone other than your own teammates. All right, then um, let me get what's what happened at Southern Oregon because I didn't I didn't catch either of these games. I don't know what happened. Yeah, so we I was able to go to the uh, exhibition last year. Didn't quite make it down this year. It's a difficult thing. It's not streamed anywhere. We wish it was. One of these years, they're going to let Andy and I be on the call for the exhibition. That's that's the dream we're chasing. But Trevor, I don't know if you listen to these, but please let us do he, that. He gets to him. He listens to him. I don't know that it's the first thing on his schedule in the morning. But I yes. hope it's not. Shout outs to Trevor Kramer. We love you. You have way better things to do than listen. Also, Trevor looks so much like Austin Reeves. If we haven't brought that up on this before. But anyways, the Beaver. Yeah, they beat Southern Oregon. It's an NAIA team. They were up by as many as 30. They ended up winning 84-61. Bilodeau had 15.6 rebounds. Dexter Cano, 12. Jordan Pope had 11 and 5 assists. I don't think any of these guys played all that much. Um, Christian Wright and Dijon Craig, who was this freshman that they signed to fill out their roster in September, had nine. Apparently, he had a really crazy dunk. So really, we'll I'm, talk more about him at some point. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what Dijon, maybe they, another diamond in the rough like Casey Beckway. The, the Oregon State coaching staff, I will say this, 
like while they don't get like the top tier recruits, I would say that Oregon State in a lot of ways is a lead at recruiting and they find the most like underutilized players in the country. So maybe another steal. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'll piggyback what you were saying that this is the second off season in a row that they've signed a kid to a scholarship like in the middle of September. That's a very difficult thing to do. That means that they're doing a good job of finding guys that fit where other people didn't see them. And but he, I mean, shout out to Dijon Craig as well. He waited a long time for a Power Six scholarship <laughs> offer. I'm when sure you know. he had JUCOs lined up, but but he was down to like a week or two away from having to go somewhere else. Hey, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. And so, yeah, again, we don't want to get too sidetracked by that. But he he seems like he could be a dog as well. But they shot 57% for the game, outscored him 40 to 18 in the paint. All things that you would expect, you know, a, a Pac-12 team to do. To an NAIA team, but I think they had their struggles with them for stretches in the first half. Again, we didn't see it, but um, the the main thing I liked is the forty to eighteen points in the paint advantage. Yeah, that's beautiful. Without seeing it, you, you, well, you're going to want to see that against an NAIA school. Hopefully, that's sign that's a sign that things are going as they should. Right, and it's in the past. It's these games aren't always gimmies to be blowouts, even with teams that go on to have good seasons you really never know especially when there's a lot of seniors on those smaller college teams they can be very dangerous in october yeah exactly um all right should we move on to um previewing the upcoming games because oregon state is about to start actually playing games these are about to count we are here let's do it yeah let's get it started okay so oregon state starts the season next week monday 11 6 2.30 at Gill versus Linfield University. Then they take on Troy at home that Friday, 11.10, 4 o'clock at Gill. Uh, let's start off with Linfield. Sam, what stands out to you about the – are they also an NAI school? No, they're Division three. They're Division three. I'm going to make a general statement that, that if you get into a very specific corner of Northwest basketball, sicko, that teams like Southern Oregon from that, that – NAIA conference, the Cascade Collegiate Conference are typically better than the Linfields and Lewis and Clarks of the Northwest Conference for a number of reasons. Um, that is a generalization. But what I would see, say is that uh, it's obviously going to be a similar test to Southern Oregon, but I would also guess that Southern Oregon would beat this team. They have one, three players over 6'6", six, six, one over 6'9". Um, no one at six nine. One at, nobody over six nine. Yes, no one, no one over. That is a fair. It's a first year head coach. In recent years, they've been all right. I will say they did defeat the Seattle Mountaineers eighty five eighty two in their exhibition game. Who is it, the Seattle Mountaineers? It is a basketball club comprised mainly, I would say, of people who just finished their small college career. I don't exactly know what the qualifications to be on it are. Okay. Uh, so they play. Their season is comprised of like. During this part of the year, a lot of four-year schools, typically Division two and three, and then once they get more towards the middle of the year, they'll play JUCO schools and like those little tournaments. Sometimes they're really good, sometimes not. It kind of just depends on their group that year. That is the most anybody has ever talked about the Seattle Mountaineers basketball club on it. I was impressed you were able to ramble that long about it. They, you're familiar with them if you've been around like NWAC basketball, the the Northwest two-year league, because they'll play a lot of those schools and you never know what you're going to see. Okay, well, let's move on to Troy because Troy 
is a much more legit, real test. Yeah, yeah that's they, a real test. I mean, they had a good year last year. They were 20 and 13, 11 and 7, fifth in the Sun Belt. Sun Belt, you know, it's not, it's, it's a, I would say, a higher tier, low level league, conference. Yeah. yeah, like that's like there are good programs in there. So break it down. What's what's going on for Troy for us? Well, they're expected to take a little bit of a step back. Their head coach, Scott Cross, has, has made himself like a power six candidate with the success he's had there, especially the last two years. But they lost. They had like six guys average, at least close to double figures, but lost about half of that. They have two preseason Sun Belt all-conference guys, Christian Eugene and Amir Muhammad, who were like their second and fourth leading scorer last year. They're about so those are the two guys to watch. I mean, I uh, they have one game before this. It's also against a Division three school, so they'll probably be coming off a blowout and very excited. First ever meeting between Oregon and State and Troy. They've both been existent so long, so that's always exciting. So I'm hoping it's we first, can get this. The first ever meeting. First ever oh, meeting. That's, that's less common at this point than you might think. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you brought up uh, Christian Eugene and uh, Muhammad because their backcourt, and this is typical of a Sun Belt team, their backcourt is going to be their strength. Christian Eugene and Amir Muhammad are the shooting guard comp and point guard. Muhammad's the point guard. He's six one, one ninety five. Eugene is six three, two ten. So they're just both kind of like really thick, stronger guards. And I think that'll be a good test for Jordan Pope starting off the season. It's going to good good to get his feet. Went early, taking on a fast, athletic point guard, and I'm curious to see who they start at shooting guard to kind of pick up the slack. If such a good player like this, I'm going to picture that Dexter Cano gets the start because he's so much of a defensive presence. And he's been in double figures in each of the two games they have played. I know they're not; they don't technically count, but especially the one against Idaho makes me think he's looking good right now. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing to look out for: not a lot of uh, overall height on this Troy team. They are kind of like Linfield where they have no players over 6'9". They do have a couple of 6'9 guys, a couple of 6'7", 6'8". So kind of taller wing teams uh, built of forwards. But might be able to see Casey Abekwe or even Scholl. I'm really curious to see what Scholl looks like in the first game of the season. Um, get a little bit of room down low in the post with these shorter players. Yeah, I think they're going to play. They're both going to play a lot. I, you know, they, this is a great test. For Wayne has said they look healthy and like right away they're seeing a team where – especially Scholl clears everybody by two, three inches, and it should be a game he can come in and contribute. Because like you said, it's guard play is going to be the strength of most good Sunbelt teams. Right. Okay, so uh, predictions for the first week? I, I'm predicting a couple of Ws. I'm hoping we can be at one or both of these. I can't wait to be back in Guild at 2.30 and 4 p.m. start times. Present a special opportunity, in my opinion, to be a part of a, new, a unique atmosphere. So hopefully we can see some people... But, yeah, I think uh, especially they'll look very good against Linfield. Hopefully they don't see too much resistance. Troy may be a little bit of a different story, especially early. But if a Beckway and Schull can stay out of it, Billado as well. I mean, not just those two, all those guys. I mean, there, there's several other in addition to their two centers that should have a height advantage while they're out there. Yeah, I think Troy is going to be kind of a good bellwether Um for the season, because, you know, this is a team that Pac-12 talent should be Sunbelt talent. But this is a coach, Scott Cross, who is 285 and 161 overall, right? So he's a very good coach. He's had success last year. This will be a good team. It's not going to be a team you're going to be able to roll over just based on talent alone. Like, you're going to have to execute. You're going to have to follow a defensive game plan. You're going to have to um, move the ball on offense. So I think if they beat Troy, that's a really good sign 
for maybe like a better season than what we think. And if they lose to Troy, hey, we've seen that happen before. We've seen it happen before, and we've moved on and 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 been successful anyways. Right? We you know we'll survive. But yes, I I agree. Even though they lost some good players from last year, they're not they're picked middle of the pack in their conference and not at the top the way they have been the last two. They've got a good handful of dudes, like seven, eight guys that have won over 40 games in their college basketball yeah, career very, for that coach. So that is, a, that's a scary test early for a, a, a younger team still that, yeah, has not had it, done a ton of winning together yet. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good preview. Oh, it feels so good to be previewing actual it games. It just feels nice. And of course these will get better as we go along and teams play games this year and we get a better look at them and also shout out to the college basketball almanac for helping us with this a little bit oh yeah go check that out from the three-man weave that's excellent um all right well let's do since this is the final preseason pod let's do some final oregon state predictions so i told you before we started that i was going to ask you a prediction for an end of the season standing for the pac-12 and kempom and then i wanted your mvp x factor and surprise storyline so give it to me straight. Let's start off with season standings, or no? Let's do it opposite. Let's do let's do the individual awards and start end with the team. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Okay, who's your prediction for MVP, X Factor, and then give me your prediction for surprise storyline. My MVP is I'm going to go safe with it. I I'm going to go with Jordan Pope. Um, I think he's going to come into his own. He's going to become a lot of people's new favorite guy this year, despite being at the top of the scouting report because. The supporting cast, especially offensively, will be there more. Certain nights it'll be Econo, certain nights it'll be Bilodeau or Abekwe, but overall he'll be the most likely all-conference candidate. Um, my X factor, I went with Scholl. I just think his health, you know, he hasn't yet made it through a season healthy. I'm hoping this is the one it comes together because he can be – he's such an X factor when he's on the court regardless. He's such a unique talent at his height and um, – so I went with him with the uh, the honorable mention being Jaden Stevens, just because that's a guy we haven't really talked about at all, but had so many flashes where I would refer to him as my guy kind of involuntarily last year. And he could be one that is a spark off the bench, especially in these early games. So that's my X factor. And uh, my unexpected storyline will be the way that the nation falls in love with the Twin Towers of Shoal, Mariel, and Casey Abekway. I think they're going to have – someone's going to come up with a better nickname than that. They'll they'll be on T-shirts. There will be signs for them, the cutouts, the whole thing. I don't think people see it coming. All right. I like that. Those are all good. All right. My um, MVP, I also went with Jordan Pope because I think that Jordan Pope, if he takes the sophomore leap, and is the pro player that we think that he is or that we saw flashes of as a freshman year, you'll see that in the stats and I think wins this upcoming season. So he seems like a really hardworking kid. He comes from prolific prep, which is known to put out NBA players. He has that level of talent. I think if he's your, he's got to be the team MVP unless the season's really gone awry. My X factor, I want Dexter Ocano. He's a senior this year. He's had a bunch of spark plug games. He started off at Marquette. I think Akano is a player who, you know, if you do his career nine times out of ten, it's so much better. This is this is the outlier one, I think. And I think it's not his fault, but it's because of COVID and then getting myocarditis and all the health, like really legitimate health things that I think are downplayed and kind of like working it back into game shape. But he's got the athleticism. He's going to be a big presence on defense. And I think as a senior a guy like him who's really into leadership, I think it's going to come up with production too. I think if he plays good and works himself maybe into like a 
honorable mention all-conference, second-team all-conference, you'll see the Beavers really high in the standings. And then my surprise storyline is I think the Pac-2 is going to win the lawsuit, and I think there's going to be a windfall. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I would love if we got our hands on some of that. We might have to. Okay, give me your end of the season standings uh, for Pac-12, and then we'll do Kempom as the very last one. Okay, perfect. Now, to appease, for, quickly, we'll acknowledge, Andy and I truly believe the Beavers will finish first in everything they do, that they'll always succeed. But to appease the general masses and acknowledge what we've said about some of the other teams in this conference, then it's going to be really, really good, especially the top three quarters of it. I am going to say the Beavers fall in fourth in the conference. They get their self, themselves of that Wednesday by you and I will be sipping my ties, just scouting out games at the Pac-12 tournament without a care in the world, just worrying about who our opponent's going to be tomorrow as it presents itself. Yeah, so the fourth place in a Pac-12 tournament first round by. Wow, nice. I like that. Okay, my end of the season uh, prediction is I went with fifth place. I went slightly below you. I went with where they got to when they made the Elite Eight run three years ago now. And I think fifth place, I think there's going to be – I think fifth place is really realistic for this team. A lot of people are saying, hey, they're predicted last. That's seventh place higher. But no – when you look at the talent, when you look at the depth, if Jordan Pope takes us another step, if Econo steps up, fifth place is very attainable, especially with how fluid it is at the bottom. I think Washington falls out, Arizona State falls out, Stanford has a very good chance of being terrible. Um, Cal, I think, might be a little bit of fool's gold getting built up. So Arizona State. Yeah, I said Arizona State. Oh, sorry. Right? So, well, say it again. They Arizona State it. again. So I think while the Pac-12 overall will be good, I think the bottom is more fluid than people realize. And through that fluidity, Oregon State rises to the top. You want a statistic that backs up what Andy and I are saying? Where do you think the Beavers stood in the Pac-12 in points allowed per game last year? Where? Fifth. Fifth. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I link all my all further success to, is points allowed per game. That's all you need. Um, okay, let's do final Ken Palm standing. Um, OSU currently is 175, which is actually, this is going to sound really sad, but that's pretty good. This is the first time in the last two years that they've been in the top 200 to start the season. Yeah, so. no, this is, so this is a Ken step in the right direction. This is, I think, him giving a slight tip of the cap in our direction that he is noticing things improving. I have no idea how he's so comfortable raking 360-some-odd basketball teams before they've done anything. <laughs> but – um. So where are are we predicting their final Ken Palm yeah, spot? Yeah, final Ken Palm spot. Now, keep in mind, this we are not convinced that Ken Palm is not guilty of heavy Beaver bias, heavier than most even, some would say. But with that in mind, I am going to say that the Beavers are slotted in around 71st and deserve to be much higher than that okay. when it's all said and done. All right, I like that. I'll go with um... – Knowing that when they made the Elite Eight, I think they ended up 40, <laughs> 40th in the, the country. mid-40s in Utah was one behind them. Yeah, I've so never I, been more convinced Ken I just, Palm I've just got to factor in how hard of a grader Ken Palm is when He's, it comes to yeah. the Beavers. I'll go a solid 110-point leap, and I'll take them at 65. Um a possible play-in tournament team or a successful NIT team. Okay. I like that as well. Should we check in on our old our old friend Yale? Where do you think – Where you is think, Yale Do at? you think Yale is better or worse than Oregon State at 175? I, I am going to submit that Ken Palm believes that they are better. 
Yeah, Yale is currently ranked 71st in the country right now. So 104 spots higher than Oregon State. Do you think Oregon State, and be honest, this is the final prediction before we go to shout-outs. Will Oregon State finish higher than Yale and Ken Palm? Yes. Yes. We are both agreeing they will. All right. Um, any shout-outs? I do, and I'm excited for this one. I was lucky enough to join a, a group of friends of mine for a uh, shout out to, to our buddy Ben. It was his kind of birthday hang a little bit early celebration. Another friend of ours, Cam, is a UCLA fan. So we all made it down for the football game. It was a great time. But I, I need to shout out our friend and listener, Zach, who just in the fucking wild recognized me voice alone. I thought he was fucking with me at first and thought, how would he? be messing with me unless my friends paid this dude when I wasn't looking to say this, but he's a Peyton head. Thank you so much for listening. Go Beavs. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed the beer that we got you. So thank you, Zach. We've got several listeners named Zach that are real ones. Yeah. All the real ones are named Zach. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I want to give a shout out to, um, I guess just the general, uh, just the, Portland Public Schools, the district, and the teachers union. Here just we to, go. Just a heads up on the technical end on this. Um, I'm a teacher for Portland Public Schools. We use the laptop that I get from the school district to uh, record these podcasts. So we put this one out tonight because it looks like the Portland Public School teachers will be going on strike on Wednesday. Not sure when we'll be back. Um, and I'm not allowed to use my computer while we're on strike. So it might make getting an episode out. Um, a little bit harder than normal, but we'll try our best to figure it out. But we'll have something for you. You know, as someone who just really is passionate about Oregon State basketball and the life outside of work, just shout out to the district, shout out to the union, everyone doing their thing. Um, why don't you come together and maybe do our thing together, and then we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, it'll be good. But just a heads up, <laughs> might not have an episode right on time, but we will be very um, on time this year. Absolutely. Unlike you're a Portland public school teacher board coming to an agreement with the district. That's right. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And you know what else is unfortunate? What's that? Uh, that the ducks exist. Yeah. Fuck the ducks. You might say fuck the ducks. You might as well. All right. Go bees forever. We'll see y'all when we can.